One. Well, sell the rip couldn't have worked better yesterday. Buying the dip is working so far today. But the question remains, will that continue? What will Pump and Powell say at 10.05? I'm sure we'll get some volatility off that. And you know how we talk about low bar, high bar for earnings? Well, Hibbett's bar was on the floor and it leaped over it. It's Friday. It's the end of a volatile week. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. What a wild day yesterday. But the spoos are on the rebound, up 11 and a half handles at 43.9750. The Buck is relentless on this move higher, punching over 104. It's up a five pennies at 103.97. The bonds, well, they had a little rally fading again, down just four ticks at 119 and 23.30 seconds. Crew doesn't want to give up the $80 level, up a buck 13 at 80.18. Gold flat at 1946.50. Silver up seven cents, 24.30. And Bitcoin futures, they're up $150 at 26,255. Well, I have to say, Triple D and Mitch, when, uh, you know, yesterday in my makeshift operation, I was really focusing on the uh, content of the show. I mean, you guys are good, Triple D. Huh. Selling the rip. You were emphatic on that one. And uh, I wish I could have seen the quotes off the open. What a fall from grace it, yesterday. It was just a perfect setup yesterday. Um, and that's why I was very <laughs> what do you? What do we say, right? What's the quote, Dennis? What's the, what's the famous quote? The market likes to hurt where it can hurt the most. Yeah. Punish this the is maximum one of the amount. this is one of the number yeah. one quotes that I've learned from you, Dennis. That stays in my head. I, I honestly, I would say about ninety percent of the, the the trading days. Punish the maximum amount of participants, and it was set up so well to do that yesterday with Nvidia pop, and everybody's like, "Okay, Nvidia blew it away. It's up forty points. Let's just buy stocks. You can't help it. They're just going higher. You have literally twelve analysts coming out raising their price targets, all lemmings." And you could just see and you could just feel and, you know, even Kramer, Kramer tweets out on NVIDIA game set match. And I was like, holy cow, the ducks are all in a row because all these people are going to be wrong. And they absolutely were yesterday. Everybody who was chasing that rally yesterday was severely punished, um, deservingly so, because you could just feel, you know, the technicals were set up. We talked about a 50% retracement of the recent sell off on the queues. We talked about, you know, the NVIDIA, like, like having no catalyst with Christian. Christian was excellent as well with nothing. Yeah, to look Christian forward was to. reserved. There's sometimes yep. just really good setups. And that was just a really good setup to sell stocks or to short stocks. And if you were shorting yesterday at the open, you were paid immediately. There was almost no heat on the majority of these stocks. Most of them opened at the high tick. 
QQQ basically opened at the high tick. Microsoft basically opened at the high tick. Um, AMD, which I still have a half size position, opened at the high tick. Oh, I mean, boy. it was ugly across the board all day long. They never let off the selling, sh- uh, the selling. And now you have everyone caught. So, I mean, you can look here and say, oh, well, yeah, we're just going to buy the dip and we'll be back tomorrow. I don't think it's that easy. You have key reversals in everything. So you look at the S&P, key reversal. What's that mean? Opens higher than the high, closes down at the low. QQQ, key reversal. Um, even my AMD, I'll talk into my book, key reversal in that. Just go across the board. NVIDIA filled the earnings gap, the hero, you know, comes down and actually almost goes red, which was nothing short of incredible. Incredible quarter, that response is the worst case scenario for the bulls. Yesterday, was the worst case scenario for the bulls. And we fell over 90 points from that high. Now, a lot of damage was done yesterday. Is it over? Let's see what happens with Jackson Hole. I don't think it's over, though. I think if you get a pop and maybe he says something in relief, I think if you get a pop, I think you're selling stocks. So what I tweeted out yesterday after the close was uh, the AI bubble officially burst yesterday. It burst. So is it going to come back? Yeah, I don't think this is the end of the AI story. But I think it is in the short term. So I think what you've got to look is, you know, when you get these pops, you get some stocks popping up even on earnings. I think you got to be looking to raise cash because I think it could be a little troublesome period here. I don't think it we're going back to the October lows, again, because the Fed has a lot of ammo in their chamber um, with all the, you know, interest rate hikes that they've done. They can, you know, simply start taking them back and, you know, the market would rally off of that. But I do think that short term, we just got, you know, to a situation where we were very overbought in July. We sold off pretty hard in the middle of August. And then we had five days of relief pop where we got almost half the losses back. That was an opportunity. So now I think we think about the August lows. So don't think about the October lows. Think about the August lows. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. We're S&P not too far. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. And I've been talking for a few minutes here. So we'll let I want to say a couple things. Well. First of all, just um, in, in reference to yesterday, Now, I know we have a lot of different people and traders in the chat, and maybe we don't have people that short. So when we talk about that, we don't want you to feel like, okay, you missed some great opportunity. We just want two things. One, if you have a long and you have a target and you have an exit on a big update like that, don't hesitate to take it, especially early in the price action. I wanted to mention that for sure. And then also, uh, we got a question here from Eric Dennis about seasonality. I know you like to follow a lot of different things. He says the last five days of August are supposed to be bullish according to the seasonality calendar. So I want to know what you think about that. And I also want to warn people, because the last time we had this key reversal, it came back not one day, but two days. And it, it lulled everyone to sleep. So, you know. You could do that again. Yeah, and I could do that again. use that opportunity. Like, if we get back up, let's say just he says something dovish today. Let's just say hypothetically, not Which saying he's not. Gonna, right. he, but he may. He may say something that comes off dovish. We get back to, to 441, 442, like half of yesterday's losses back. I think you're not only selling stocks. I think you're shorting stocks into that. So, I, I would be a seller and, a, you know, a short seller. 30 to 40 handles above here. I mean, not even, I don't know if you're going to get that much though. Like I think maybe you got to look 440, 441. And if you're in stocks and you're caught in stocks and you're like throwing up, it means you got too many stocks, man. Just, you know, it's the same thing. We've just got to like, just, you know, it's about balance and it's about your environment. And people keep citing, you have these money managers, these idiot money managers that keep coming on CNBC 
and talk about cash is so high. This cash has to make its way back into the market. You people are idiots. This cash is not coming back into the markets. When I get a 6% GIC, it, 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 there's competition. Tina Trade is dead money manager. Stop talking like that. Not The money doesn't have to come back into the stock market right now because bonds are a clear alternative and cash is a clear alternative. So what I was saying yesterday, it's the money that's been taking us is just rotating. It's the same amount of money. It's not new money coming in. I'm sitting with a lot of cash in my portfolio because I'm getting paid to sit with that cash. So I'm like, why take risk for a stock market that has a long-term performance of 7.5%? My bankers call me and offering me 6 risk-free. So that is the problem. The rates are the problem. And that's why Jackson Hole does matter. If he does anything dovish, we could rally off of that. But we've got to stop thinking that all this cash on the sidelines has to come back. Immediately has to come it back. It doesn't. It doesn't have. If we go back down to 1% interest rates, yeah, it has to make its way back into the market. It doesn't at 5 or 6%. That is just you know, blinders, like the, the horse blinders are on those money managers that are saying that. If you follow somebody that's saying that, stop following them because they're stupid. <laughs> How do you really feel about it, Dennis? It's what we do, man. <laughs> we say, well, that's why I know, we're, I don't... we're real here. We talk real on this show. It's this funny because you're like, yeah, before you were like, why should I do that when I'm getting four and a half on my money? And then a couple of weeks later, you're like, why should I do that when I'm getting 5% exactly. on my money? And then now you're like, why should I do it when I get five and a half percent? And now you're like six. Do we go six, six bid? percent on a 13-month GIC. We haven't seen that in 20 years. That's competition for stocks, folks. That's competition for stocks. So you can go back and cite all you want and look at the technicals from three years ago. We haven't had a market environment where you get 6% risk-free in yeah. almost 20, 20 years. years. Yeah, yeah, very different environment. All right, Mitch, where are you at here? So pretty much you guys are telling me that there's nowhere to hide in this market. Yeah, cash. Yeah, cash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Not in the market, wrong. at least, like somewhere else. So places to hide. And, and, the, and the capital markets, think about the capital markets as three major buckets. You know, you can go alternatives and stuff, but there's three major buckets. There's stocks, there's bonds, and there's cash. And that is all capital allocation. You know, go back to your CFA, certain environments, you're like 60% stocks. If you're younger, they say 80% stocks, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 60, 40 portfolio, 60%. But right now it's moving the other way because the, the, the yields are so strong, even on the bonds, that it's eating stock markets lunch. That's why the stock market that has continued to rally over the course of the last six months you know, it could be overextended. And people say, well, it's got to keep going because there's so much cash on the sidelines. They're wrong. They're wrong until rates start going down. But if rates start going down, that's when you're going to different start hearing story. me get bullish. Whole, yep, a whole different story. So we're not buying the dip in Marvell Tech today. <laughs> uh, let's um, go to the action. <laughs> this is where it gets you can, fun, right? It depends on your allocation too, though, Mitch. I mean, money, money. Exactly. No, I had a cute key reverse. I'm not buying the dip to answer your question, but. And there's a huge gap to fill, which Joel's going to talk about too. So ducks are yeah. in a row not to buy that dip, but go give us the Merval. Let's give the numbers here. Q2 EPS at 33 cents beats the 32 cent estimate. Sales of 1.34 billion beat the 1.33 billion estimate. They do see Q3 24 net revenues at 1.4 billion plus or minus 5% to 1.39 billion estimate. 
absolute no man's land here. Uh, the only thing I talked about was uh, on uh, on the closing print with Josh is like you had an area of support that you absolutely had to get out of the way if it breached that level of support. Now that level of support is going to be resistance. I don't think we're going under 50 bucks today. Uh, that that would fill the gap. The, uh, the after hours low is uh, just under 54. Really no man's land here. Dennis, I know you've been active in this stock over the years, so mm -hmm. I'll let you take it from here. But all I can I'd tell you I'd be a buyer is in the mid-40s. I would buy Marvell in the mid-40s. So mid I'm not – it's not going there today. It's not going there tomorrow. It's not going there next week. But if we go into a prolonged, it's on my shopping list. This is one I would have on my shopping list. I do believe that this stock um, ha is, you know, going to participate in AI to, you know, or, or obviously Nick Brown, who's, you know, works here with Benzinga here. And we have him doing the official count. They said AI 54 times on the call last night. The, the AI bubble has burst, but it will reinflate at some point in time. I think if you got Marvell down in the mid low to mid 40s, I wow. think you're buying it. I don't know if you're going to get it there anytime soon, but it's on my shopping list, but it's a lot lower my shopping list for this. A lot lower price. How about that candle? Like right here. Like that I was going through the charts last night and I saw that can like Marvell and then AMD. What a Oof. what an intimidating candle. NVIDIA. Well, it's a little bit different because it was all time. The other thing, NVIDIA, how about the nice round number of 500? Forget about the option guys who absolutely nailed it with the $50 straddle. Something like that. Never been to 500 before. I think we opened just above it and tanked. I mean, so many, so many different uh, stocks. But that same candle is just reverberating and just about every tech stock here, but uh, no, Marvell, no man's land for me. Let's uh, let's move on to our next earnings stock. Let's go to JWN and Nordstrom here. Q2 EPS at 84 cents beats the 45 cent estimate. Sales at 3.77 billion beat the 3.65 billion estimate. They do see full year 23 adjusted EPS at a dollar 82, $2.20 versus a dollar 99 estimate. But not getting as much love as I thought they would get with that kind of no report. love, no love, yeah, zero love. It got I to mean, pop this... off the. It got to pop off the the first kind of mention, right? I have a pop to eight thirties, eighteen thirties, but then it yeah. got quickly it again. Just got flushed. Yeah, yeah. The dumb algos, the earnings algos, which I have no idea who runs these, but I, like I said, some of them run them very, very. I mean, they saw that beat, right? Eighty-four cents a, to forty-five cents. That's a yeah. big beat. They they take it. They're they're trading off the headline number, and that's a good opportunity and shows you how more sophisticated the human being is over these algos. So we know we're in this market environment where selling the rip is working very well right now. We know we're in this market environment where earnings, you know, matter, but the guidance matters a hell of a lot more. So when they're buying it without even seeing the guidance, it's insane. And you know what? That algo severely punished for that. So, you know, up there at 18 buying and then there's no bidders. And then the flush, you know, and I flushed all the way down to 14 or 15 bucks. Um, you know, now it's settled in. I mean, oh, the quarter was decent. The guidance wasn't that bad. But is this really where you want to have your money in Nordstrom? And then I watched these videos of that California Nordstrom store oh. getting robbed. I mean, that is disgusting. I cannot believe this is happening in North America. I cannot believe this is happening in the USA. They have to stop this. You know, we can't have, you know, 30 to 50 thieves coming in and just robbing stores of a hundred thousand dollars worth of merchandise 
I mean, they've got to put these thieves in jail. I know it's like, you know, some people, you know, are robbing because of necessity, but and we can talk about all the, you know, the other stuff. But I mean, bottom line here is this is organized crime. This has got to be stopped. Wow. The, the, if they can get, you know, in, in, in any imagery of care. any of these people, they, don't they care. need That's to go the to jail for a very long time. They just don't care, Dennis. They, just they do care. care. They're going to figure it out, but they can't have it as a misdemeanor. I just, uh, you know, for fun, I looked in Canada what the crime is for, you know, theft. Any theft under $5,000, a felony carries a maximum of two years in prison. So, I mean, there you go, two years in jail. So, I mean, you got to have that. We're not seeing this happen in Canada because, you know, and maybe it's going to start, so I shouldn't say it. You know, maybe we're seeing it in little pockets, but not to this extreme. But, you know, we still have, you know, theft under $1,000 a felony. It's got to be a felony. You've got to go to jail for stealing like this. I'm sorry, you know, for the people who are stealing out of necessity, but everyone else is taking advantage of this, you know, because if they're getting a misdemeanor or they're getting a slap on the wrist for stealing like this, it's just going to cause more of it. So you've got to go to jail when you steal. I'm sorry. Why not just transition and buy now, pay later? <laughs> or buy now, or, or steal now and pay never. That's what they're doing. <laughs> steal now, pay I, never. Wow. Take it what to a, a firm here. It was a good transition. It was, Joel, uh, if you one. want, give us technicals on JW. I didn't even we'll see it. I didn't see it sneak down to 15. Wow. That yeah, was someone a, got that, a nice little yeah, move right down there. Um, I'll just we we got a nice bounce. I and I if I wouldn't have seen the fifteen print, I would have said, "Wow, uh, you know, there's at least one low at sixteen. But since it's uh, been a you know traded that low, it's it's like an okay level. I'd see what happens at sixteen. But I think the more important, whether you're a short or long term investor, you got to be looking at the lows from uh, the last three sessions at sixteen eighty. That's your four-star, five-star resistance. There'll be absolutely no rallies in Nordstrom until we can get above that, close above it. I've seen it doing some wild thing on earnings days. But uh, instead of trying to find support in this one, I like to identify the excellent resistance at 1685. All right, let's move over to buy now, pay later. Let's go to a firm, and it's getting some lift here on their report. Q4 Gap EPS came in at a loss of 69 cents, beating the loss of 85 cent estimate. Sales of 445.82 million beat the 406.26 million estimate, and a firm sees Q1 revenues at 430 million on a high end of 455 million versus a 429.86 million estimate. Affirm, getting a little bit of a lift here today, but I don't like any of these stocks right now, especially like these growth names. Either. Yeah, I think it's another opportunity to sell the rip. So sorry, oh, I like yeah. to get on the bandwagon here. And it was a fun story back in 2020, but this business model is just not working. It's apparent by the stock price. $390 to 14 bucks. No, thank you. Move on. I uh, need to hear a uh, uh, pair of highs at $14.58. You're now above it. Must hold that area. Uh, if you don't, I think you'll sink into yesterday's range. I think the other one, I'll make this chart just a little bit bigger here. Big rally near 20. You failed. You came back down. Rally back to that area. You failed. And now you're coming back up. So people got smoked twice buying this thing over 18 19 bucks i think you got some overhead supply uh in a firm a f r n trading up a buck though so far all right let's go ahead let's keep moving here let's go to work day 
work day is one uh, that's one that I actually think that, you know, I try to think about AI overall, and I'm always thinking about it as what actual revenue can come out of it. When I think about software companies and things like that, that's where I think that definitely in the long run, you're going to see more and more products come out. Like I mentioned in the chat, I don't think AI is completely done. The hype might be, but now we go into more of a building phase where you're going to see a lot of people building products out of the AI that's available. Let's go to Workday here. Q2 EPS at $1.43 beats the $1.26 estimate. Sales of $1.79 billion beat the $1.77 billion estimate. They raised full-year revenue outlooks to $6.57 billion and $6.59 billion versus a 7.21 billion estimate. So that's where definitely things don't look that good here for it to be getting this type of pop. Um, the, the stock has been an unbelievable performer here over the course of 2023. The stock is sitting near its 2023 high. That's impressive. Held up well. The, main, the problem is we're just not in this environment where I'm like chasing stocks. And I feel like you're chasing it a little bit here. 240s major resistance. That's the high of the move. I think that's where you run the sellers. We've seen these stocks though before when they're up and they've held up for this long on earnings. Sometimes they continue to go higher. So I'd be hesitant to short the thing, but if I was long it, I'm probably ringing the register. If I was long it, I'd be looking at yesterday's high at 3569. You got a look at that in the after hours when it went to 3570. So I look at the whole 235, 236 area. I mean, I look at that. I know you see the high of the move at 240. But for me, there's major roadblock 235, 236. So if if you can rally back to that, I look at that as major resistance. And then on days like this, I think a lot be dependent on the market. I don't know if you're going to get a look at Unchanged. But then again, did you think you're going to get a look at Unchanged in NVIDIA yesterday? I mean, Unreal, you know, man. yeah. I mean, a little different situation. But uh, Workday, uh, great commercials. What happens with NVIDIA now? Just give us, because we we, we uh, went over and we talked overall market. We should talk the stock direct. So gave back, fills the gap, gives it all back on a fantastic report. I'm telling you, the report couldn't have probably been better. What happens now? Joel, I'm throwing it to you. What Tech happens now? I, I'm just going to stick with this the, the close from yesterday because with all the zig and zagging that this thing's done, that all-time closing high from the 23rd was 471.16. The former all-time closing high was 470.77. So to me, I know it traded a 480, 490, up to 520. Those levels are irrelevant to me. If this stock is going to bounce and rebound, it's going to create a bid, 470, 471, create a base, and work its way back up. I, that's just what you ask for one number all the time, Dennis. That's it, 471. Got to hold that level. Trading right at that level now, too, just to make it a little bit more difficult. I think you caught everyone long in this, and I think the downturn continues. I think in the short term, it doesn't get washed out one day. I think every analyst is like feeling like, ooh, I don't like that. I, I raised my price target, 12 of them, and now all of a sudden, they're all feeling the pinch. Anybody who <laughs> chased it feels a pinch. You have everybody caught on this. You have everyone everybody. caught now. Everybody caught on this. And you know what? It was like even the people who were short, you caught them too because you gapped it up and you held uh. the whole thing just to shake them out too. Punish yeah. the maximum amount of participants. It was perfectly done by the market. Bravo market. Caught all these longs here now too. I think NVIDIA has a date with 450. And I think that date is soon. 
Dun, dun, dun. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Let's Mitch, go you, to... might, you might as well weigh in here on this one. I mean, you've been you've been uh, yeah. looking for the AI bubble that burst for a while. So do yeah. you have? can you give us one number two that you're focusing on? Yeah, for NVIDIA, I think at this point, you know, you've had your quite uh, a couple of runs. And one thing that I was pointing to, and dude, let me see, I think I can just share my charts sure, go ahead. Um, on that aspect of it. And sure. NVIDIA has had a couple of like kind of blow off tops. I kind of drew them with rectangles there. And a lot of times we get about like four uh, attempts to break this kind of range, right? We've gotten that four attempt. Now I'm just go looking for that gap fill. Um, we were looking for these gap fills before. And they're right here. Um, and so I, we, we're going to start looking for those gaps to fill. The first one's the 400. There's a little gap right there. And then we'll see if it leaks down into this bigger gap. If it gets into this bigger gap, this is where I think you'll start finding some buyers because the 200 will slowly leak its way up here, closer towards that 300. And so somewhere in that bigger gap, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be a buyer. I don't think that AI is completely turning around. And if there's any company that did show us that they are able to make some type of revenue, it's NVIDIA, right? The other companies weren't really showing us the money. Um, they're able to make it. Why? Because they have the platform where everybody's going to build on. This is why I'm talking about that this, we're going into this building phase. And you got to look at the things behind the things to build AI. That's NVIDIA here. All right, let's keep moving. Let's go to let's get out of this conversation. Let's go into an interesting area, which is has been the retail disaster, right? Um, we've had a lot of retail disaster lately. Um, we've had like DKS. Um, we've had Foot Locker. They got completely destroyed. They started bouncing back yesterday. Let's take a look at one that got a nice little push up here, which is Hibbit. Um, so I'm going to go to Hibbit here, Hibbit Sports. Uh, Q2 EPS at 85 cents beats the 73 cent estimate. Sales of 374.9 million missed the 376.11 million estimate. They do see full year 24 sales to be flat up to 2% and sees full year EPS of $7 to $7.75 versus a $7.18 estimate. Oh, man. Um, this, so so this is all about the bar. This trade is all about the bar. It's Dick's was a disaster. They punished the stock probably more severely than it even needed to be punished. Um, and, you know, um, so that lowers the bar. Then you have Foot Locker lowering the bar because it got severely punished, deservingly so. Um, so the bar was literally sitting on the ground for Hibbit. HIBB, bar on the ground. They simply walked over it. The quarter was okay. It wasn't blowing it away by any means, but they simply walked over the bar. And that's why it's up 11%. Uh, you made a good point. You were saying this is like the discount version of these. Like, I've never been in a Hibbit here, Mitch. So, you know, just make that point here because I've never been in there. But you're saying this is kind of like the TJX. Uh, yeah. you know, of yeah, like, uh, like, uh, I'll show you guys goods. the website, right? Uh, that's, that's the easiest way to look at it. Right. And you guys can see here, you'll see that, uh, they have discounts. a lot of discounts and I think that this is where they, they do well on. And, um, so if you're looking for discounts for, especially like shoes, uh, this is where I go a lot of the times because they're just cheaper. They're going to be on discounts. Like, um, let's just say for me, I was looking at like baseball cleats, right? Um, most of these shoes would be at like $90. When you start seeing them here, you'll find them in sales at like 50, you know, $70, right? Most of these cleats are like 90 to a hundred dollars. Right. And so that's what I think this does really well. Like 
I, I know that some of these are like $90 right here. This Hirachi is $90 and they're selling it at 40. So it's kind of like an oversupplier here that gets access to these after they've been stuck in like, you know, probably the Dick's warehouse for, you know, six months, they send them sure. over to Hibbit and then they sell them at a cheaper cost. And that's good to know. I mean, the discount retailers are doing very well. TJX is sitting up here and obviously yesterday had a key reversal. So I wouldn't be going buying that stock now, but I mean, you can't argue the thing was at an all time high yesterday. So there's not a lot of stocks sitting up at all time high. So the discount retailers have been outperforming. If this is a discount retailer, and I again I know nothing about Hibbit, so I'm just stressing what Money Mitch is saying. If this is a discount, you know, that's you know the kind of stocks that you kind of want to be in. But with that being said, the borrowers is very low. I don't think this is a blowaway quarter. It's like, whoa, they killed it. And the media will say, Oh, they killed it, you know, because they got to find something fundamental to talk about. Bottom line was bar was on the ground, they walked over it, and you know, it's all about the bar. Oh man, you got a spike uh, near your uh, your three day high, and it was just very brief. So if I was long this stock, I'd be saying, "Man, can you get back to forty one seventy five, forty one eighty, and uh, and clear that?" If not, you got people stuck over forty five here. Pretty much been uh, downtrend the entire month. So keep an eye. Let's see if you can get up and take out that pre-market high. If not, I expect a little bit of a fade. I don't know if we'll, unless the market completely craps out. I don't see uh, getting to the top of yesterday's range at 38.14. Up on 15,000 shares, Dennis. Eh, this doesn't trade a whole lot of volume. So that's uh, that's significant volume. But keep an eye on that pre-market high coincides with your three-day high. S&P's back over 4,400, just climbing the wall of worry here. Yeah, we like that. Keep climbing because I'm going to short stocks. I hope it pops. One stock that we were talking about recently that I was wondering would get the drop, I, I was thinking Lulu. Lulu was one that's been on my mention on live trading two days in a row now. And yesterday, they just oh. flushed it. Look at that flush down. And then I've been seeing a lot of these kind of retailers that I think would hold on, but looking really weak. Look at Best Buy's action as of late. That's not looking good. Retail, man, they're coming for it. Is the consumer slowing down here, guys? Yeah, it, they are. And the consumer is slowing down. And again, you know, are we going into a full recession? I don't know. But I think they're starting to feel the pinch a bit. You know, you can have rates, you know, up and elevated and people will find money in the short term or the longer term. The higher rates still hit home. And, and you know, especially in other countries where we don't have 30 year mortgages going on, you know, it's going to hit home. And, you know, uh, when you got five year mortgages in Canada, it's going to hit home sooner than the U.S. But I think there's people just feeling the pinch a little bit here. So I do think retail is the first thing. Oh, well, you know what? I'm kind of not struggling a little bit here. Not going to, you know, some buy some yogurt pants here. So I think there's a play here with Lululemon, all that consolidation. I think that was a key. That was a huge reversal for it yesterday. I'm not sure it was a key because it might have matched the high, but it's close. Yeah. I think if this thing gets a pop back, I think you're selling it. Man, there it is. Here's that candle again. And, and now it's Lululemon. And that, you know, that's not a tech stock. I mean, that was uh, uh, that was a big, you know, big decline. 360, I got nothing there for you. I'd say just stay green on this one uh, for Lululemon. But man, wow, what a what a beatdown yesterday. Opening up. That's another thing, too, that um, and I think I mentioned this yesterday. When you have these big up opens like in your in a stock, I mean, that that hardly was participating. I know it's not a huge uh, component of the S&P, but if you look at it at a percentage basis, I mean, there was. 
you know, not even over the previous day's high. And then, boom, you see what happened when the market turned. Let's go to one more uh, news here, and we're going to go to the electric utility company. We've been talking about it. the Hawaiian electric company continues to plummet here in pre-market trading after being hit by lawsuits and suspending its dividend. Maui County has filed a lawsuit against the company alleging negligence on the part of Hawaiian Electric for failing to adequately maintain their power infrastructure during a windstorm that led to multiple fires on August 8th. Hmm. You can't it, touch this stuff. You can't. It's nope. just too much risk. I mean, people were buying at 20s, like, oh, this is over, down a cut in half. Now they're cutting half again. I mean, five, it could be bankrupt. You know, maybe it pulls a PCG and there is some residual value. Maybe it turns it around. Maybe it doesn't go bankrupt. There's just too many unknowns here for me to put my hardworking capital in the stock. It's also, hard to they, even play to the short side, right? Like, I just want to mention that too. Hard both sides, Mitch, because now you've come down because... so far and all it takes is, you know, a headline here where there's something, okay, well, yeah, I mean, we think, you know, there's a potential where, Maybe it wasn't caused by them, or maybe it was, you know, maybe there's a way out of it, or maybe it's insurance, or maybe there's something. You know, there's all kinds of different headlines that are going to be coming here. I just think it's a no-touch for me. Uh, I thought that I saw that um, that they didn't cut the, uh, the, uh, the, the power off soon enough. I thought that that was like the premise of the lawsuit. I may, I may be incorrect. There's only one level to give you. Um, we're trading below that. Uh, 10.05 was low of the move. Now you're trading under 10 bucks. You're trading at 970. Uh, so I don't want to say that's resistance because it could really blow through there, but traded down to 902. So it is 70 cents off its pre market low. All right, we'll see what happens there in Hawaiian. Um, to state what you stated there, Joel, is, is correct um, that it was a part of like kind of part of the lawsuits that are going uh this specific lawsuit was just uh put out yesterday but you are stating some true facts there about potentially not shutting down the power early enough okay um let's get to yeah it's time to get to our guest i'm going to bring down my screen here let's go to our guest today you guys smash the like Hi, Tracy. How you doing? Tracy Roniak from Zax.com. Going to knock some sense into us today. <laughs> Please. I'm good. It's good to be here on a Friday morning. All right. Just real quick. No one else cares except you and me, but I now have a nephew that is a freshman at Michigan and a nephew that's a sophomore at Michigan. Wow. So, um, right, right back in it. We won't talk sports, but we are going <laughs> to talk about the consumer. Yeah. The consumer, are they weak? Are they strong? Toll Brothers, great earnings, other retail stocks getting killed. Is the consumer tapped out yet? I don't think so, but it does depend on which consumer you're talking about, right? So Toll Brothers, the home builder, they're luxury. They average over a million dollars for their average sales price. And 25% in the last quarter bought with all cash. So that's some pretty good firepower right there. And we've seen on the luxury retailers, pretty good numbers. Uh, you know, they're still spending, but in the middle of the road retailer or even on the lower end, we're starting to see some of the pressure 
you know, we had Gap yesterday say that uh, they're starting to see people pull back. And it does depend on what what area, too. So I, I can pull back on clothes. I could maybe pull back on shoes. Uh, so far, nobody's really pulling back that much on beauty. That side is staying strong. So they are making choices now. They don't have endless money. So they're deciding on certain things. They're even deciding on the streaming services now. Oh, I'm going to cancel that. They raised it to 20 bucks. I, I don't want to deal with that right now because my favorite show is not even on right now. So they're canceling out. What's of your that. favorite show? What's your favorite show? Well, I like some of the, you know, uh, I actually like some of the Disney Plus shows and that new Star Wars show is starting. I, I'm on there because it's starting this week. But, you know, you might not be depending on which service you're on. Maybe you are a fan of the bear on Hulu, but that's done now. So you cancel it. I don't know. Um, you know, but that's how the consumer is thinking. And yes, $20 a month, they are feeling the pressure, inflationary pressure. So they are looking even for these small amounts to have some relief from paying those at least for a little while. So yeah, we are, we are seeing them pull back, but this is what the Fed wanted. They want, they wanted the slowdown and now we are getting it. We're just not in a recession. How about these uh, uh, uneven earnings reports among the retailers? I mean, not everyone could shop at Walmart here, but uh, that, that had a good report. That's just holding up near its all time high. Uh, yeah. It looks like no one's going to Macy's. So not only is the consumer cutting, maybe cutting back on certain things, but they're going to certain places and they're not going to certain places. So yeah. uh, talk about the disparity in the retail earnings. Um, well, again, yeah, uh, they're making certain determinations and uh, Walmart is on the lower end. So they're holding up fairly well. You are going there for, uh, you know, food items, but like you are at Target, but Target, you know, they're starting to blame a few other things that always makes me a little suspect. So in in uh, prior earnings reports, a lot of times the retailers pre-pandemic would blame weather. Oh, we had that hurricane, which is a legit thing, or we had a blizzard, but it lasted a week, but it hit us. Uh, sometimes they just blame it all together. Oh, the weather. <laughs> and that's always kind of like a excuse, you know, that you have to kind of take with a grain of salt. But this time, someone like Target, a lot, well, a lot of them are blaming uh, the theft. The theft uh, is hitting them, um, but it is. And a lot of them are also now starting to say things like Target did about, oh, student loans are starting up again. But that's not until October. So they're anticipating Worried it, evidently, it. that they believe that that's going to hit even more of the discretionary spending because suddenly you're going to start up with, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month again, um, and rightly so, but we don't know yet. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all hit or miss, as you just mentioned. The department stores were struggling mostly before the pandemic, and now it's kind of returned to that. So that's not a surprise. Beauty, again, is still on the strong side. Luxury, certain niche retailers are on brand better than others. So like an Abercrombie & Finch, maybe on brand a little bit more than the um, 
you know, gap is. So the gap is saying, oh, no one's spending, but they are seeing the spending at Abercrombie. Why is that? Like, why is Urban Tracy and Abercrombie and Fitch, why the separation here? Like, I'm old, me and Joel are older. I just see, you know, the gap, Abercrombie and Fitch. I kind of see it as all the same stuff, but it's not. I mean, no. there are certain brands. Is that just because they've re- vibe the brand like Abercrombie and Fitch and it's just like the new thing like yeah. why is Urban and Abercrombie and Fitch so much better than the Gap uh th- basically just the different brands so Urban Urban itself Urban Outfitters wasn't all that great this quarter but it's two other brands were uh much more outstanding the Anthropology and the Free People but Free People again is on the up upscale it's more luxury so that side is still holding up and that brand has always been pretty strong. But if you notice in the report, uh, even at the wholesale, they do do free people at the wholesale level, like in Macy's and Nordstrom's and whatnot. And that did not perform as well as what their stores did. So you can still see the effect of the department stores not doing all that great. But that brand unto itself is still holding up but that's on the more you know that's definitely more on the luxury side and uh it's a little bit different quality as well so people maybe are paying up for you know the better quality the better uh you know 100 cotton instead of polyester and acrylic mixed in there that kind of thing so yeah and they haven't even those retailers haven't had to do as much discounting. The promotions weren't as bad. They did get rid of most of their inventory that they had excess orders to from last year. So now that's done. The The ships have arrived. They've gotten rid of a lot of that. And so they've righted the inventory. And the, some of them should be uh, fairly well positioned for the holiday. Tracy, we talk about uh, valuations and, uh, you know, it's hard because once momentum gets going to one side, valuations don't matter until they matter. Uh, but you're identifying some pockets of strength here in the market, also uh, based on valuations. So what's catching your eye? Like something that's lower valued, like when the market's getting killed, you know, there seems like these, uh, these sneaky buyers in there, kind of like uh, Mr. Buffett. Yeah, I I still like energy. You know, I've talked about it many times when I've been on here and it's had a rough 2023, at least to start. But over the last, say, two months or so, we've seen it turn around, mainly because WTI finally, you know, retook 80 and is kind of hanging out around the 80 mark for now. And some, including Pioneer Natural Resources CEO, thinks it'll get closer to 100 by the end of the year. So that just goes right to the bottom line. The earnings have been crushed down on the oil producers all year because they had the Ukraine spike. You know, they were selling their crude for well over $100 for about half the year last year. That's come way down. So the earnings are way down. But now is when, uh, you know, we're starting to see it cycle back. It does have uh, these kind of swings. And this is when they're cheap and nobody's really paying attention. Some of these stocks on the producers themselves, not even big oil, but on say like a a Matador, they are down or they are actually up this month, up about six or 7%, I think for Matador. And you can see that in a lot of the producers, some of the service side, which had been hot, 
pulling back a little bit this month, but not anywhere near what a lot of the tech stocks have been doing. So I took a look at like Coinbase the other day. It's down 27% over the last month. None of the energies, even on the services side, it's anywhere even close to that. If they're down, it's down like 3% or something in the last month. So yeah, Warren Buffett is kind of hanging in there and keeps adding to his accidental position. Um, I know a lot of people are like, but Tracy, he sold some Chevron last quarter, but I'm not sure that was him because uh, at least one of the lieutenants was in Chevron very early in 2020. Ooh. And we had a sale, a small sale in Chevron, and then we had the buys in the home builders last quarter, which is probably Matt Buffett as well. So I feel like yeah. that was not Buffett making that little trade there, because why would you at this point? Um, so he still has this huge position in Chevron as well. And he's been in this trade before. He was in this trade in the 2000s, the last time we had the energy bull. He he bought PetroChina in 2002, I think, or he was adding to his position then for about $400 million He's He bought PetroChina for, and then he ended up selling it in 2007, 2008 for about $4 billion. So he knows this kind of energy trade when we go into an energy cycle that's bullish, which is where we are. Okay. So Warren going out, as you said, uh, in a blaze of glory here. Yeah. So now, now I'm going to mention two dogs here that like no one, like everyone is like, you know, mentioned these stocks and they plug their nose uh, yeah. first, let's start with the house of mouse. You mentioned that you were, uh, Disney plus, uh, yeah. long-term support, $85 took that out with a vengeance yesterday. Talk to us about the valuation, what you're looking at in Disney. Well, um, you know, it's still struggling. I don't like any of the companies that are the streaming services. So that's part of its problem, right? They have huge expenses. If you're making the Mandalorian series, that's not cheap. You got to spend to make all these like sci-fi series. You got to get the stars in there. It's billions of dollars. Netflix made it look easy and made it look like, oh, we can just keep all of our subscribers. It's no problem. But it's not. It's it's a lot. And then we, you know, we had the pandemic, all of their, their parks and hotels and whatnot have struggled during that period. Obviously we've reopened, so that's helping them. But uh, even still on travel, consumers are making different choices now too. They don't have to stay in the United States. They don't have to just go to that park anymore. They can, you know, everything's open. They can go a lot of other places. So Disney, um, this is one I watch pretty closely because so many people I know, and maybe you know, own it because they own it, say, in their kids' college fund. A lot of Gen Xers own it for their kids because they bought it like 10 or 15 years ago thinking, I'll put this in. I can teach my kid how to invest because they know Disney and they'll be interested yeah. in like what I'm doing. And I've talked with some of these people in just the last couple of weeks. I'm like, what are you doing with it? It doesn't pay the dividend anymore. And at least that was something before. But I took a look at the 20 year chart because I know someone who's in it for 20 years and it's fallen all the way back where it's basically breaking even right now with the S&P 500. So that's not terrible but you were expecting to beat the s p 500 and you're not and anyone who bought it obviously it's at nine year lows anyone who bought it in the last 10 years it's 
been terrible, but they have bought it for their kids' college and they're not getting the dividends. So it, it's it's a tough one. I am glad they brought back Iger. I do think if anyone can turn it around, it's going to be him. And, you know, the brand is still the brand. It's still Mickey Mouse. We all still love all the brands. They've got the Star Wars, but it's not that cheap here with what is going on with earnings. So as a value investor, I'm still staying on the sidelines with that what, one. What do they need to do to turn it around? Like I was in Disney for a long time too. And the reason I've sold it is just the fact that it seems like the parks were firing on all cylinders, but everything else was not in everything yeah. else. And I said, if they lost the parks, if they start to see a decline, start slow, a slowdown in the parks, the stock is in trouble. I think that is what is happening now is that we're starting yeah. to see a slight slowdown in the parks and none of their other businesses are doing well at all. Like the, obviously ESPN has been a disaster. The Fox acquisition <laughs> was an absolute disaster. It's probably yeah. what is weighing on the stock the most. And, you know, Disney plus, they can't seem to figure it out here either. What yeah. turns this story around? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's why you're on the That's side. That's why I don't own it. Yeah, because it does have all these components now. And, you know, Iger's going to sell off some things, like he wants to maybe sell ABC and get rid of that. Um, but maybe just to return to their their usual focus without all these distractions. But I'm not sure. So that is why it's a little bit riskier here because you don't know where earnings are going to be going over the next several years. All right. So we got to talk about one more stock, one more dog of dogs here. And, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, why should you invest in a stock that has a high dividend when you could invest in, you know, T-bills or CDs or something that's safe here. But you got a stock that's just been in a prolonged downtrend here, has good cash flow. Talk to us about Walgreens Boots Alliance. They should have never gotten rid of WAG. But anyways, <laughs> right. talk to us about the yield in WBA. Um, well, it's over 7% here, well over, and they are still paying it. They're a dividend aristocrat. I don't foresee them getting rid of that, but you never know what companies are going to do. Did I foresee Disney getting rid of its dividend in a, in a pandemic kind of situation? No. So um, many people are in it just for the income. But as you just mentioned, I could also be in a money market account getting four and a half or five percent right now. It's lower than the seven and a half, but my principal is still sitting there, you know, safely instead of on the decline. Now, I looked at the 20 year chart on Walgreens and it's down like, you know, 22 percent, I think, over that 20 year time period. And that is just, you know, wealth destruction, basically. But this is another business that's struggle, struggling, struggling in the changes that are going on out in its marketplace here. Even on the pharmacy side, we're starting to see changes with, you know, California getting rid of CVS. Um, you know, so this is very challenging for them as well. They do have the free cash flow to cover that dividend. But I know a lot of people who are in it just for that dividend. But it keeps hitting these new lows. And that's not what I want to be in as an investor, even with that kind of yield. I'd rather take the no yield or super low yield NVIDIA, obviously, over the endless uh, decline of a Walgreens where you can't even see where that bottom might be. And that 
that hit a new low yesterday as well. Why is this not right aid? Like that's what I've argued on these stocks for a while. And I'll even throw it out there at CVS. How are they different? And maybe, you know, CVS has got, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I see what Rite Aid has done over the course of the last, you know, and obviously went bankrupt and it comes back and it's down at buck here again. I mean, it's just an epic disaster. I don't see Walgreens as much different than Rite Aid when I'm just looking at it. Maybe I've got blinders on and I'm not seeing, you know, the other opportunities here. And then, you know, take it to CVS as well, because this stock has not been a great performer here either. I do yeah. think it's best of breed, but this thing's straight down for a couple of years here now too. How do they not, how are they not Rite Aid? A lot of both CVS and Walgreens tried to make the big push into uh, healthcare. you know, actually having the clinics in the pharmacies that they have done it. I mean, I go to get like, you know, flu shots at the Walgreens now and stuff like that. But I think they expected to see a little bit bigger push into that. And that's not happening. And then the pharmacy side has always been their bread and butter. But there is a lot of competition in it, even online competition now. And so that's been hitting them. And then they've had, you know, just the retail side, but that has been in the decline too, with the expansions of, you know, smaller urban targets and uh, even, you know, Walmart is a, a competitor on the retail side and then combine it with the pandemic and the theft increase that we've seen on the retail side, that's not helping them. So it's, it's a lot that's going on there. And I'm not sure, remember CVS bought Aetna, so they have that combined now. And it's just whatever that big plan was, did have a speed bump during the pandemic and they haven't really recovered from that. So it's just a change in the industry. And this, this happens a lot in various industries and we're seeing it play out in the pharmacy stocks. All right. So I did want to ask you, Tracy, about the banks here. What do you think about any regional banks? Um, I think those downgrades we recently got from S&P were, um, you know, a little bit too late to the action. But that being said, they, analysts have been lowering all the their earnings estimates again on some of the bigger regional banks. And so you're seeing it being hit in the in the earnings Uh Will it be overdone? Maybe, but a lot of them are looking for a little bit of a rebound into next year. Then once the Fed stabilizes, the net interest margin should stabilize. Um, but we don't know when the Fed's going to stabilize, right? We all thought maybe one more and then they would be done. But is that true? I don't know. I'm starting to hear things out of Jackson Hole about like maybe next year we might race too. So that is going to really be a factor with the bank's going forward. Uh, there is one bank that I like a lot that's kind of done a victory lap during all of this. I own it in my own personal portfolio and in Zach's value investor and it's bank OZK. And Ooh. Uh, Ooh. ironically, that is a real estate bank. So a lot of people get freaked out about it. Like it's in real estate. Why do I want to own that? But they've had awesome management. It's one of the best management teams I think out there on the regional bank side, they actually have had deposit inflows, not outflows uh, from their depositors, but really it's about real estate. So they loan out for new construction in like apartments, uh, condo buildings. So again, a lot of people are like, I'm nervous. The rates are rising. That's not good. But they're very good at their underwriting. And if you go back and look and see what happened, even in the housing bust, 
they had very few properties that actually, you know, had to go under. So um, I really like them here. And they had also sold off recently on just general regional bank worries, but uh, they're very cheap here and they pay a nice dividend yield. And again, their management has been in there since the seventies. They remember what happened then. So they, they do have a lot of experience. All right. Like always, you guys can learn all about this. Of course, if you haven't checked out Zach's, I'm going to throw up the link here so you guys can get your free trial. I even, even I have to check out Zach's every now and then. So <laughs> definitely check it out, guys. You guys will enjoy it. It's always good to have you. Tracy, Ryan, Nick, it's always good. Take care. We'll have you back on. Thanks. You too. Go blue. Go blue. There you go, Joel. I knew that made Joel smile right there. All right, all right, let's all right. take a look. What are we seeing in the markets? Let's we're start creeping. Doing the this up. is a creeper rally here. You know, uh, sell the dip worked yesterday, or sell the rip, uh, buy the dip. We're just getting into just a really limited area of resistance. So I don't know. I kind of like 43, 44.17. I'd love to see us up at that area for a lower risk uh, short of getting out of some longs. It's about 14 handles away. So we get uh, We got any more issues to cover here? We're going to take a stock or two from the chat. Oh, we're going to talk we AMC. Um, oh. is officially gone. So it has now been converted into AMC. AMC, Ooh. obviously all the dilution from that. This is your disaster stock. Not only oh. of the day of the week. Somebody was saying this is down 57% this week. Which yeah. I feel, you know, you, um, you feel for the retail investors who were in this for the movement. But, you know, you just got to understand you were in it for the movement. That's fine. But don't be in it for the money because the money was on the short side on this thing. And it was made. I, actually, I don't even know if the short side was made. It was probably made just by the brokers because the short uh, the borrowing was way too much to even make money on that side, too. So basically, they found a way on AMC for everyone to lose. Except Adam Aaron. Except Adam Aaron, exactly. Yeah, he, Adam Aaron. I, 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 Adam Aaron. If you guys don't want to say it, I'll say it. He, yeah, at the end I, of the day, he's been the destruction of AMC, I think, here. Not necessarily even share value. He destroyed it himself. And I think that where a lot of you guys are out there thinking that he's been the savior of AMC, no, I think he's he made the money opposite. Of you guys. I would call him the omen of AMC, but that's just me. I don't know if he destroyed it. I wouldn't take it that far, Mitch, but he Neither definitely profited I. from it. What I'm going to say is, I'll just clarify it. He profited from all the apes. He's the one that rang the register and profited. I know there were some other people that made some money, but we know Adam Aaron was up there selling, you know, a lot higher than this. And then he's coming out and he's blaming Benzinga, you know, because we had one headline or something. He's just finding reasons to try to pass the blame somewhere else. I mean, when meanwhile, you know, it's you know, been massive dilution here. And AMC was maybe in trouble. So I wouldn't say it's Adam Aaron's fault the company's in trouble, but he definitely rang the register and made money. Well, get your free popcorn, guys. Let's wrap up the market. Uh, how do you see in the ES, Joel? Uh, just I'll be looking for follow through through that pre-market high, 4306, really in a vacuum area. And then uh, the fireworks. Starts at uh, 10.05 with uh, Jackson Hole. I mean, if you're, if you're good at playing that stuff, go right ahead. I think it's a key day for the market because we had a key reversal a couple weeks ago. They threw a head fake at us for a couple days, and then you know what happened. So I'm just going to try and be patient here. I'm not going to – right now, we're moving up. I'm not going to fight the uptrend, but if we get to some good levels, then, uh, then it's a whole different story. And that's about another 14 handles. Someone asked about BETR. 
Oh boy. Better home and friend. I don't know what to say about it. I don't know I got, what you're doing bringing up a one dollar stock here. Joel, neither did I. I pull. I should have pulled it up first, Dennis. <laughs> I didn't pull it up first. I'm sorry. I have no I idea what the story is on this one. Obviously, the story is not very good. It was twenty three dollars yesterday. It's a buck. Maybe it's is, a, is this what Holy is this? Holy moly! I don't know. It's I don't know. It's a buck today. Something's up. I don't know. Look at the up. daily man. That stock just know. makes no me idea. laugh a little bit. I don't bit, know this yeah. story. On that short, I don't care to know the story. All right, Tim, uh, back on Monday. Uh, Tim Quast is uh, going to be back with us on Monday. He's been a busy man, but uh, we'll talk about that with him on Monday. Everyone, uh, great week, uh, fantastic week, fantastic uh, price action, and uh, that's it. Uh, S&P is showing some green on the screen from now, but that's the way it was yesterday, too. All right, guys, see you guys on live trading. That's starting up in just a second.